That's our little introduction song. Sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, Kyle, Kyle from the Upfucks wrote it for us that I like to point out. He's the, uh, what is it? Hi, everyone. My name is Matthew. Uh, I'm the host of Only Posers Don't Listen to Podcasts. It's been a little bit since I've recorded an episode, but I'm back here with, I feel, an important episode. Uh, I should have got all of this be- before we started. Do you, do you have a pronoun you prefer? Or? Um, she, hers is fine. Okay, that is. Okay, I, yeah. I tried to ask that before I didn't ask her. So I'm here with... Jess or Jen? Jenny. Je- Jenny. You can right? call me Jen. Honestly, you could call me Jess, but people probably won't know who you're talking about. I'm so bad with names. It's like the first thing I do in every episode is fuck everyone's name up. So <laughs> I don't, you know, I should sit down. Like I should have more. We went through things before, and I still fucked that that beginning questioning up. Okay, so Jen is here from the NJ Harm Reduction. Is yeah. that correct? The you run the Instagram. Yeah, I do. I manage the Instagram, and now we have Twitter, too. Okay, awesome. I did not know that. Yeah. The Instagram is, is doing a lot better than the Twitter, but I'm also, I think, better at Instagram than Twitter. It's easier. Yeah. yeah totally. I, I hate Twitter, but uh, what is it? Uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have the Twitter and the Instagram, so everyone should go follow that, um, and we'll post links and everything like that. I think I did... The uh, first I've heard about you was about a week ago. Did you start it about, a, like, a week or so ago? So, um, that's a great question, and I, I'm not entirely sure how to answer that. The, the short answer is yes. Okay. Um, the long answer is I've been thinking about this um, for the better part of two years. Um, I really just started seriously thinking about it within the past probably six months or so, and... Um, I don't remember exactly the moment that I approached Corey about it, but I did, and he expressed interest in it, and then I talked to Emmy, Emmy Emma about it. Um, uh, it's not just me that screws up. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, Corey, Emmy, I guess that's that's their, you know, couple name. Um, yeah, so they just, they were really hyped about it. Um, just, uh, it, it started as um, an idea, I think, about... Um, reaching out to a pretty long-standing homeless encampment in New Brunswick um, where uh, it's, you know, it's known that people use drugs there. Um, Okay. So I think that was kind of where the idea originated. Um, Then, you know, this news came out about the free naloxone day um, at the pharmacies, and I was like, okay, it's time. Like, like right now is the time. It's time to, like, actually do something here. Um, and basically I started the page, um, the Instagram page first because, um, I think that giving naloxone out at pharmacies is really dumb and we'll talk about that in a little bit because I don't want to get into it right now, but I think it's dumb, um, because I don't think it's getting to where it needs to be. Um, Interesting. So, yeah. And, and again, I'll, I'll get into that. Um, but basically I, I started it to kind of do some outreach and just be like, Hey, if you have the resources to get to a pharmacy, if you have a car, if you have money to pay for a bus pass, if you can walk, you know, if you have the time and energy to walk to the pharmacy and you don't need to carry naloxone on a daily basis, naloxone also known as Narcan, it's the same thing, um, you should give it to me or Corey or Emma um, so that we can give it to someone who uses drugs on a pretty regular basis or know someone, is close with someone who uses drugs on a regular basis, maybe they live together, um, because they're the most likely people to have to respond to an overdose. Yeah. Um, like, just as some background, um, I 
did a naloxone training. I, I, I got trained, um, again, about two years ago in 2017, um, got a free Narcan kit and never had to use it because I just, at this point, I'm not really around a lot of people who are using things like heroin or even like pressed pills like that are supposed to be Zans but aren't. Yeah, um, I knew that's a new thing. Right, yeah. Um, so, or even even Coke. Like, I, I don't really, I just... I saw a horrible Vice documentary about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are a lot of those. Um, the dude that took the pills was named Vampire. Oh, wow. And he had the word vampire written under his, uh, I think it was his left eye. I can't remember. Yeah, that sounds about right. He's <laughs> sort of like, like kind of shady character who, who uses drugs. Yeah, it was very, it was very stigma. Like, this is the shady world of drugs and totally. vampires here to show you about it. You know, like, yeah. that I very much did not enjoy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's like this, my kit expired. Um, okay, yes, I've heard this problem. Yeah, my kit expired. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. Um. I actually we just dropped it off at, at the at the encampment last night, um, and I just wrote expired in big letters because it's better than nothing. Um, but basically, this started as like a way to divert the naloxone that probably wouldn't normally be used mm-hmm. by you know old hippie couples who are going to keep it in their medicine cabinet. Yeah, to like people on liberal the elites that are trying to help but don't know where to exactly, <laughs> and think like they're just going to one day walk out of their house and there's going to be someone overdosing on their front porch. Yeah, I mean, I I see, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. May, I mean, it makes it's this it's it's an oversight. It's a straight up oversight. Totally. I mean, I guess it's in good heart or good thoughts yeah. at least. I mean, that's that's. That's sweet that people want to help, mm-hmm. but yeah, that is not a fully thought out idea. Not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess the best. My next big question is like, what is? Yeah, I mean, you. I guess you just kind of explained what is what is NJ harm reduction and what you're trying to do. But you and you kind of explained how you got involved a little bit. But do you have any per? Like, I know myself. I have personal experience with drug uh, drug addiction. And that's why this is kind of close to my heart because I know I'm, I, I, to tell you the truth, I feel like a lot of, a lot of people are pretty good with me and I don't get a lot of stigma Mm -hmm. when it comes to certain things, but I hear people say shitty things that I know applies to me. One of my least favorite statements in like the hardcore punk scene is I'll see those old straight edge shirts from like the early 2000s or 90, late 90s that'll say kill your local drug yes. dealer oh man and and I, I know started. that the mentality is thought that there it's such a Fox News mentality of this idea that there's a shady man yes. in a hood sitting on every corner selling kids drugs selling poison yeah, to the youth yeah like just the, like first of all when you say that statement, what you're saying is you want to shoot your drug addiction addicted cousin, brother, sister, mm-hmm. mom, father. People that sell drugs, especially hard drugs, are usually trying to lower the rate of much they're spending yeah. of the drugs they're using. Mm-hmm. So they're taking it in the same mentality of they're like, if I buy in bulk yep. and then sell to these people who are less addicted or less know how to find these drugs, I have the access to these drugs and they don't. Yeah. I can overcharge them and then my drugs are cheaper or free yeah. or whatever. They're trying to compensate for their addiction and mm-hmm. live and like just be working class drug addicts. Like so many people are working class alcoholics. Yeah. And sure. there's such a stigma to that attitude. Like you can, but I know so many functioning alcoholics mm-hmm. and I'm not here like live your life the way you want. I'm sure they would live their lives better if they weren't on this, mm-hmm. but if that's how they choose to live their lives, I'm not here to judge them or like as long as they're not 
driving vehicles and breaking these normal basic laws, uh, you know, that accept everyone else. You want to hurt your body that, I mean, I, I'm against it, but I can't do anything about it. For sure. It's your life. And it's just so funny how in the same respect people do this. And are probably less, I mean, I don't know many heroin addicts that get, you know, shoot up and get in a car. Yeah. You know, or have to drive home after using with all their pals. <laughs> they, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, heroin's kind of a personal, you know, it's not a thing you use with, it's not a party drug. You know, and um, it's just weird how people have that stigma. Mm-hmm. So I guess my next question is like, what is your, what are some of the worst stigmas you think plaguing people like us? And how did you, what is your connection to this? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I actually, if it's okay, I want to backtrack a little bit. Yes, um, go ahead. I actually want to backtrack to question number one, which yeah. is what is NJ harm reduction and what please. do you do? Um, and, th- and then I'll go through the rest because yeah, please. I'm, so, I'm so hyped on this. So, um... Like I said, you know, this started two years ago um, for me personally. Um, I'll, I'll, I guess I'm going to hit multiple questions at yeah, once Yeah, go here. ahead. Um, so it, it originally started, um, I was a senior in college, my undergrad, um, I was working on my undergrad degree. Um, at my school, everyone had to do a senior thesis project. Um, so, you know, if you were an art student, it would probably be some sort of art installation or something. I was like a sociology student, so I wrote a, a thesis paper. Um, so I was, you know, it, it was September, I was getting ready to, to, you know, start writing, researching. I had, most of what I was doing was focusing on, like, the prison system and, like, prison abolition and, like, what is an alternative to, you know, locking people up, um, you know, how, how do we even prevent that to begin with, you know, um. Because it's working so well. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and that's a whole, like, that could be a whole different episode. So it I don't could. Really get too into it. Um, but you know, that was, that was kind of the things that I was thinking about. And then, you know, right as I was starting to, to actually work on this project, um, one of my close friends, uh, overdosed and, and passed away. I'm very sorry to hear that. It, you know, it's, I, I appreciate it. And unfortunately it happens. Um, and then, you know, I, I was a mess. Um, and then about a month later, one of my other friends overdosed and passed away. Um, which again, like unfortunately that's what happened um and then within you know the next like six to ten weeks uh or rather six to eight weeks uh probably another eight to ten people who i knew not as well but you know went to high school with or like just kind of knew tangentially um also overdosed and passed away um so that was my entire first semester of of this of when i was supposed to be working on this project and i was a disaster um i couldn't write anything I couldn't think about anything other than my friends and drugs and just like how did this happen um and I think about like late January early February rolled around everyone else had their papers wrapped up you know they and I had nothing I had like five pages written and these and and people had written like 120 pages and I was like I am not going to pass unless I get my shit in gear and all I can think about is drugs and my dead friends and I came here to do and write about whatever I wanted to do and write about so I'm gonna write about drugs and my dead friends um so I wrote about it through like a racial lens um and you know kind of expanding on the idea that like white people who use drugs get sympathy well sure do yeah well as a white man that used drugs i do i get a lot of sympathy that i don't see happen to other people right absolutely and like black and brown uh people who use drugs are like you said a a lot of the times construed as the drug dealers the people who are like crossing these racial boundaries to like 
poison the you know rich white youth um so i talked about that i i did a bit of a media analysis that's really where this started um you know i i've been thinking about it ever since my dad is a licensed social worker and substance abuse counselor so it's been something that has kind of been a part of my life in some way for a really long time like pretty much my entire life um and I don't know, you know, the, I, I wrote, I finished my thesis, I graduated, I, I, I passed on time by some, like, I, I don't know, by, by some, like, incredible force of fate. Um, and um, so that was, that was 2017. And I don't know, I just thought things would change. I didn't think we'd be here. Yeah doing the same thing that's a really i was discussing that with mac right before you came over that mm -hmm. like so much in our society has changed stigma wise you know people are more accepting of so much more yeah but there's still this insane stigma when it comes to in so many ways like it nothing has changed Mm -hmm. you know absolutely yeah so i mean i just especially in new jersey you know like We've been pretty hard hit um, by overdose, by um, diseases that, you know, are often passed through, um, you know, injecting needles, using dirty needles, shared needles, um, and there's been, like, really nothing done. Like, it's, it's other than the free naloxone for one day only. Yeah. It, it, on, at pharmacies where, like, no one who's actually using drugs is going to If they go. wanted to participate, right? Right, right. Um, and supposedly that's a pilot program, so, like presumably it will be happening again which again like that's great but like it's still gonna you're still gonna have the same problem where it's like old white hippies or like um just people who have the money and the time to go to the pharmacy yeah it's it's and pick up naloxone and it's gonna good, sit in their medicine cabinet until absolutely. it expires and then they're gonna throw it away they have good intentions they do yeah it's they just do. sad because it's what you're saying it's this misguided thing totally yeah um so yeah i'm just um I, I've just been really, like, annoyed and pissed off that, like, you know, there will be these very, like, half-assed, like, ill-thought-through um, efforts at being, like, yeah, we care about people who use drugs, um, but it doesn't actually get... First of all, it doesn't... Like, like the naloxone does not get to the people who need it if you're yeah. distributing it as pharmacies. Like, I didn't even think about that, honestly. Like, you guys pointed that out to me. Uh, we... I, I learned it from Eliza Wheeler... Um, okay. at Harm Reduction Coalition. She's actually leaving um, Harm Reduction Coalition, I think, like, next week. Um, and she's also sending a couple hundred units of uh, uh, vials of naloxone for free to us. Um, wow. Massive shout-out to Eliza. Yeah, shout-out. Um, yeah, fuck yeah, Eliza. Um, just, yeah. That's awesome. Amazing. That's super That's super great that you guys thought of a way to at least help. Yeah. In some way. And we've also had people, like, um, you know, reach out to us. Uh, some people are sending me the, the nasal naloxone, which is actually a lot more expensive than the injectable. Um, so there's two different forms of it. Yeah, and it's the same It's the same chemical. It does the same thing. I didn't even know that. See, I only right? thought there was the nasal. That's the only one I've ever seen. Well, that's also why it makes no sense for, for pharmacies to be distributing. I mean, it makes sense because it's probably easier to use. But the I would inject- assume than finding a vein for a person that's never done it. Well, that's the thing is that the injectable um, is intramuscular. So it's like an EpiPen. Oh, you really? You don't have to find a vein. Oh, then yeah, that's like, people know how to take an EpiPen. Yeah. It's just, you do it in the leg or the butt or something like that. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't have a, an allergy, but I've seen it done. Yeah, no, I don't either. But it's just, it's the same idea where like, you don't have to find a vein. You don't have to know how to inject someone. You just like. And you're saying that works more efficiently? 
it's not more efficient. It does the same thing, but it's a lot cheaper. Oh, um, okay. Well, then that makes more sense. Right, yeah. So, um, why was I talking about this? Eliza um, is just awesome. Uh, I guess I think I was just talking about, like, like you know, it, it doesn't make sense to distribute this at pharmacies, and it also doesn't do anything to address the stigma that, you know, for that, that prevents, for example, people who use drugs from going to the pharmacy and, like, feeling comfortable, like, asking... Like, just, just being in a public space. I talked to a woman this morning. Um, we met up and got coffee, and she's so cool, and we'll hopefully, you know, work together. Um, she has been in recovery for, I think, over 10 years. Maybe eight. That's awesome. I think she said eight. Yeah, she's super, super cool. Um, and she was an IV heroin user for many years prior to that. And she told me, like, straight up, she was like, I would not have gone to a pharmacy because, to me, like, that is an institution and she was like, I, I wouldn't have believed that they wouldn't ask me for ID. It's a trap. It looks like a trap. Exactly, exactly. And she said the same thing about like needle exchanges. She was like, the first. I feel time, like they're a trap. Yeah. Right, right. You know, there are cameras. Um, you know, and and luckily, like no one asked for ID or anything. You know, at, at the pharmacies uh, last week. But it's you know, the, the stigma in itself will prevent people from doing those things. Let alone, you know, this the way that the stigma disenfranchises people um to the point where like you live on the street you don't have money to get anywhere because like people kicked you out and you can't get a job because you piss hot for whatever heroin or cocaine you have to piss hot to get into recovery right so if you try to get clean on your own and you're living on the streets trying to make the right decision and you go to get help because you can't do it you have to piss hot right so if you if you're clean after a week or so you got to go use to get into rehab totally totally so there are all these like right so there are all these institutional barriers um that like the state of new jersey could actually be um addressing on like a policy level um that they're just not and they're just like yeah let's just let's just give out some free naloxone like one day a month or something and and hope it gets to the people who need it um yeah it's a yeah wow (laughs) yeah so so what we want to do you know first of all like i said this this started because we wanted to be like you know what let's let's give it to the people who need it first of all definitely um second of all harm reduction is not just about naloxone um and it's not just about keeping people like, like, keeping people safe until they're ready to get to recovery. Like, this needs to be a, a an unconventional and, un, like, non-judgmental movement for people. Um, Golf clap. Thanks. <laughs> I also, you know what, before, before I talk any further, I also want to say that, like, I, myself, and, like, NJ Harm Reduction as, like, whatever, a quote-unquote organization or movement, um, I hope that no one... Um, we have no intention to take over or co-opt or like seem like we're, we're representative of the entire harm reduction landscape in New Jersey Okay. because there are people here who have been doing this kind of work underground and above ground, honestly, for potentially longer than I've been alive. Um, I just happen to be the person who got annoyed at, you know, governor Murphy and his health department, 
giving out naloxone at a pharmacy and said, let me make an Instagram page for this. You, you mean that guy that said he was going to give us weed and stop arresting people and, right. and rapid numbers of uh, of uh, who weren't white? You know, basically all people that are not white. Right. And yeah, he doesn't have the power to make a law, but he does have the power to pardon everybody. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's incredible. Guy who actually went to jail for like, I think, life sentence because he got caught with like 13 marijuana plants in his backyard. He's an old man too, so like he's going to die. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah, it, it, but the stigma is even worse when you're talking about these harder drugs and people's attitude towards them. Uh, you know, I we were having a conversation the other day and somebody said something about crack yeah. and they acted like that's crazy. Crack is crazy. Crack it's insane. is whack. But crack and cocaine are the same drug. Uh-huh. It's the same exact drug. You just crystallize so you can smoke it and sell it in smaller forms. And that is the only difference, you know? But well, people's attitude is one is worse than the other. But well, it's I would I don't mean to cut you off, but I would also argue that and this is part of um what I talked about it in my in my thesis paper and what I think about all the time is like we also associate drug use or, or, or specific substances with the people who we think use them. So you think crack and you think the crack epidemic and like poor black people, yep. you know, tweaking out on the street, which first of all is not necessarily what actually happened. Um, and second of all, you know, just speaks to um, how stigmatized certain drugs are and why. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, I, I kind of, before we get... No, please like, lead I, us I where had, we need to go. Thanks. I <laughs> had some um, some kind of like, I don't know, housekeeping or like harm reduction 101 things that I pulled from um, or kind of adapted from Harm Reduction International um, just to talk about like what is harm reduction. Because again, people think that harm reduction is, okay, you see someone overdosing on the street, you give them naloxone and then you walk away. Um, and, and then and then you are a harm reduction, you know, guru. You are, yeah, you're like, like you're saving, you're saving, right. you're stopping the heroin epidemic. Right. Like, no, <laughs> that's not what harm reduction is. Um, so again, this is adapted from Harm Reduction International. Um, harm reduction is, uh, you know, in, in to do like a kind of a broad definition in the talk, principles and goals. Um, it's policies and practices that aim to minimize um, the negative impacts associated with drug use, drug policies, and drug laws. Um, the principles are focusing on positive change and working with people without judgment, coercion, discrimination, or requiring that they stop using drugs as a precondition of support. This is massive. Um, and, and that's often what, what we run into, um, where, you know, it's like, I will help you, I will house you, unless you start using drugs again. And then you're back yeah. out on the street. Well, you know what you're going to do on the street is you're going to be really depressed because you don't have a place to live. Um, you're going to be surrounded by drugs and drug users, and you're probably going to use drugs because being homeless fucking sucks. Um, misery likes triggers. company. Exactly. There's a lot of, like, triggers, too. Like, like in a night, they talk about, like, how... Like, I don't even know if they're right, but, like, they talk about how, like, being alone... And not feeling in control, mm-hmm. and not feeling in control of your emotions or yep. like stability, are all things that trigger people to like use because when they use, they feel like they're in control. Totally. Subconsciously, even though they don't realize it. So like when you take away that like stability or anything from them, and you're right, like if you, if you fuck up one time, you get kicked out of like your like your house. Yep. Like that's fucked. Or your like you know sober living arrangement, or you know anything like that. Like yeah, yeah and, and and it hits everything that you just said. You feel out of control. You feel out of control of your emotions because you're really upset um, that you don't have a place to live, but you're also pissed off at yourself because well, people are telling you that you got yourself kicked out, and these are the yeah. natural consequences of your actions. But no one needed to kick you out. 
Like, you did not, you did not, like, force yourself to be kicked out of your house. That's not how that works. They kicked you out. Yeah. And then you are, you know, unstable, unstable, because you don't have a place to live. You don't know where you're going to get your next meal. You don't know where you're going to sleep. You don't know if you're going to get, you know, assaulted on the street. Um, So, yeah, that's very triggering. And I think that's a very reasonable, like, I, I think if I were in that position, I would probably find some drugs to use, too, just to, like calm myself down and be like, okay, how am I going to, you know, get, like, move on from here? Um, so other principles are, um, respecting the rights of people who use drugs. This is also huge. Um, and that the use of drugs doesn't mean that people forfeit their human rights. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, crazy, right? We, we accept cigarettes, you know, everybody smokes cigarettes, Alcohol. you know, you accept alcohol, you accept so much, you accept caffeine. I'm drinking Uh coffee right now. Right. You know, people accept so many drugs that can kill you. Right. They can murder you so easily. Uh You drink, you eat too much salt and you'll die. Yeah. You drink too much water and you'll die. Exactly. Like there's so many things you can do. Overeating is, you know, people have addictions to overeating. People have addictions to so many things. But these are not stigmatized, and right. they're allowed to live their lives, and it's insane. Like, yeah. when I smoke a cigarette on the side of the street, and someone comes up to me, and they're like, yo, that cigarette's gonna kill you one day, you should quit. Like, I don't walk into Burger not King gonna... and walk up to the person eating the fucking Whopper and go, yo, you should really stop eating that fucking Whopper. You're gonna, you know, it's gonna get lead to heart disease and all these things. Like, yeah, because first of all, it's not your place to tell someone what to do with their bodies. Exactly. exactly. And second of all, <laughs> you should know that walking up to someone and telling them, you know, you really shouldn't do that, isn't going to make them not want to do it. It's just going to make them annoyed with you. Yes. And might make them want to do it more. Um, so, I don't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, another principle, a commitment to evidence-based practices and treatment, um, a commitment to social justice and collaborating with networks of people who use drugs. Um, so this means addressing dis- discrimination and ensuring that nobody is excluded from the health and social services they may need because of, you know, normal things or, or things that we would um, normally think about as something that m- people might be discriminated for, like race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, um, their choice of work. So that gets it like sex work, particularly yeah. um, economic status, but also their drug using status. Um, I don't think you should be discriminated against because you use drugs. Thank you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> and, and I mean that in, in all, you know, in all realms of, of life. Um, and one more principle, the avoidance of stigma, again, massive. And I, I really hope that we can like really flesh this out. Um, so this means accepting people who use drugs as they are and, um, being committed to meeting them where they are in their lives without judgment. Um, terminology and language should always convey respect and always avoid stigmatizing terms, which perpetuate harmful stereotypes and create barriers to health and social services. This includes terms like addict junkie um i don't know uh, there there are all sorts even like that's why a lot of people in harm reduction use the term people who use drugs and i know like emma in particular told me a couple weeks ago she was like that makes me so mad like i think it's so annoying just annoying just call me an addict and i'm not going to tell her how like i she refer wants to myself to as a junkie sometimes <laughs> i think it's like i'm bisexual and sometimes yeah. i refer to myself as gay like or but if someone was like yeah you're gay like i'd be like Fuck you. Like, don't yeah. call me that. I would also be offended if I didn't know a person and they tried to, in a nasty manner, refer to me as a junkie. I would right. take offense to it. Yeah. Right. And using it as, like, this blanket term 
it's it's the same reason why you wouldn't call someone who is undocumented an illegal or an alien. It's because you reduce them to that one facet of their identity. Exactly. Um, and yeah. I can do that to myself. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and also in a space where, like, you know someone and you know they're not going to reduce you to that. Like, they know yeah. you as, as a full person um, and not just as, you know, you are an addict and I only know you as someone who used heroin. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I That's a good point to make because, yeah. I mean, I would not be offended if some of my close friends referred to me, especially in a funny situation or as a joke, because I know they know me as more and yeah. they're just teasing me. Totally. You know? Totally. So a couple goals for harm reduction. Um, it's grounded in the recognition that, and again, this, like, these are all just this huge, um, tenets of, of, I think this, what is actually, um, just kind of an alternate philosophy and, and ideology in terms of like, uh, just kind of approaching life and, um, people who use drugs for lack of a better way to put it. Um, the goals, I mean, it, it's grounded in the recognition that many people throughout the world are unable or unwilling to stop using illicit drugs. Um, therefore, the aims are to keep people alive, um, protect their health, and encourage any positive change. So that could mean, okay, let's say I use 10 bags of heroin a day. Um, and my goal as someone who uses 10 bags of heroin a day is to reduce my consumption of heroin to nine bags a day as as a harm reductionist we should support that because that that's first of all that's your personal goal um and second of all that is a positive change any positive change we're, we're going to support um and we want to facilitate these things um and, and you know provide really unconditional support rather than coer uh coer excuse me coercing people um into doing things that they're not ready to do because that sets people up for failure um, it sets them up to feel ashamed when they inevitably do fail. And then you're probably going to be pissed off at them because, well, they didn't do this thing that you really wanted them to do, but yeah. they weren't in a space to do. Um, and I connect with that a lot. I understand what you're saying. Totally. So, you know, we just really want to enforce any positive change, even if it's small, even if it's very incremental, um, even if we think it's not going to make a difference. You know, it's it's ultimately about the person and not how we or I or you might feel about what's right for someone else or, or morally what's right in general. Um, we also want to recognize that only a small percentage of people who use drugs experience problematic use. Um, and, and this can be con controversial and we can talk about it, but harm reduction might also help people maximize potential benefits they gain from using drugs. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, contrary, there, so those are kind of two different things, but like, contrary to popular belief, you know, um, first of all, if you use drugs, it doesn't make you like a quote unquote drug addict, um, to, to use a stigmatizing term briefly, um, because there are plenty of people who can use all sorts of substances. I know people who can use heroin, um, and smoke opium and have not become dependent and just I've met people you know like just turn it on and off like a light switch and they don't find themselves falling into patterns of dependence or um you know chaotic use where um they're what? experiencing adverse consequences like getting kicked out of their house or getting fired from their job the same way i know people who can drink once a month yeah. and not be an alcoholic yeah I, yeah oh absolutely but i would say um you know drugs like are not bad 
Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, here, like, what... What I think is bad is the stigma. Like I, I read, absolutely one hundred percent. You know, like like a lot of the adverse consequences that people who use drugs experience is are, are due to the stigma. It's not a, a direct consequence of using drugs. Again, going back to losing your housing, you don't like you don't inject heroin one day and then all of all of a sudden your housing situation falls apart. You inject heroin. Um, either your landlord finds out, the cops come, um, your roommates or your parents find out and they're like, oh my God, you're a junkie. You can't live here. Um, you know, you need to go to 12 steps or, or you, you lose your housing. That's really like, and again, this is going to be controversial, but that's not your fault. Yeah, no, it's not. I I, mean, here's the stigma and just everything. People think that you have to inject it. Yeah, that's true. You know, people have this attitude that you've used heroin you put a needle in your arm. That's true. Or you put a needle somewhere. I mean, mo- I, I know heroin addicts that pride themselves on not using a needle. Yeah. When really they're just doing it less efficiently. Right. You know, when it comes <laughs> down to, like, what people don't understand about the whole needle aspect of heroin mm-hmm. is it's a progression thing through, you are addicted to something, you're feeling pain, you're, mm-hmm. you're dealing with trauma, whatever that is, and you're using these things at, to help deal with that totally. in probably a, a in a most case situation probably in an unhealthy way for mo- some people some there are people that don't fit that stigma yeah but what in the the situation of someone being addicted so they're using they're using five bags a day they're sniffing these bags or smoking them however they're getting it mm-hmm. and then they get to a point where they're like if i inject one i spent ten dollars instead of fifty right and I'm getting exactly what I want. Right. And I'm not high all day, and I'm not out of it. I'm just high during that one period. I don't get sick. I move on with my... Like, they're not... We're, I'm, it's about efficiency. Totally. <laughs> you know, or, for me. Yeah, or your use has, you know, your nasal or, or you yes. know, like, oral smoking use has gotten to the point where, you know, you have a really high tolerance. Exactly. And in order to, you know, not get violently ill, you have to inject. Um, or, you know, that's kind of the... You know, unless you want to sniff twenty bags, you know, exactly. Instead of, it gets like to this point where you're you're buying so much to, mm-hmm. to where you could just do this thing that there's a stigma against. When my mother is a diabetic, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with shooting insulin every day, right? You know, Absolutely. And, and and but just going when, as a child, my mother's been sick the majority of my life, mm-hmm. so I had to go to the pharmacy for her, especially at a young age, yeah, like a teenage age, and go get her. Uh, needles or get her supplies of insulin or things like that and I would get cross-eyed mm-hmm. at 14 for getting a needle for my mother yeah who just needs medicine you know like this is how bad the stigma is that the concept of needing a needle mm-hmm. for any use is obviously your heroin addict totally you know totally yeah, the um you said some of like drugs are good like drugs aren't bad and like that reminded me of this quote I heard that like when the when the consequences of using the drug are worse than the consequences, like, are worse from the law than are worse from actually just using it, yep. there's an injustice going on. I think, like, so I, feel, so I feel like Winston Churchill said that or some shit. But, um, like, the whole point being is that, like, like when, and even when you said, like, if the guy has to sniff 20 bags a day, yeah. every one of those bags, he's rolling dice because some fucking guy may have cut them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... A whole like, other problem was, in the drug world. Yeah, we'll talk about like that. A whole thing where they like, you know, like legalize and like 
workers could like regulate, regulate it. yeah like people would be safer and like it's just this war on drugs is just like a joke it's horrible it's, it's killing people not helping them totally i mean like really the problem is not drugs the problem is prohibition and Absolutely. we now have this you know very toxic drug supply um which a lot of the times it's out of the hands of street level dealers and people don't understand that people again like people think this like shady like black guy is trying to like you know sling heroin to these like rich kids who are you know have just built up such a tolerance to perks and you know can't steal anymore from their grandpa <laughs> and you know now he wants to kill them like no that's not what happens um in fact um i've read a lot recently about um the distribution of fentanyl test strips on a street level and dealers even like in Newark um, in particular and probably elsewhere definitely in the country and probably New Jersey as well are really invested in testing their shit and sometimes yep. even throwing out mm -hmm. drugs that like will test for fentanyl because contrary to popular belief they don't want their clients to die it's less money and they can get a manslaughter uh, charge um, yeah. Oh, I yeah. think that that's a big, what you were just speaking about with fentanyl is probably the new biggest stigma totally. when it comes to heroin. And from I, now, when I, I've been clean for about a little over 10 years now from, from using, when I was using fentanyl wasn't a th problem yeah. at the time at least, or at least not a problem I heard about. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say it wasn't because I just, not in my experience, I didn't hear people talk about it and stuff. And from what I understand from the people I have heard from who I do know still have problems over the years, people are requesting it. Yeah. Because the concept is, is first of all, we got an, I hate when people say laced drugs or, yeah. or, or, uh, tainted or something. Nobody taints drugs. Uh -huh. The the reason why people die is the drug was too good. They couldn't handle it because it was too strong. It's very rare that someone does something like that. And usually in most of those situations, I think the person was trying to kill one person in particular. From In the stories I've heard. I mean, I would argue that it's not even like the drug is too strong. It's that people don't know what they're getting. Exactly. And therefore can't dose correctly. Um, and I, and again, like that's, that's a problem with prohibition in that like... Absolutely. There's no regulation. And there's also no better business bureau for your drug dealers. You know, if you overdose on your drugs or if you get bunk drugs you can't go back to your dealer and say hey this almost killed me or this didn't do shit for me and i'm still sick i want a refund no one gives a fuck yeah you just have to fucked. buy yeah you just have to like scrounge up more money and buy more drugs um so you know the problem isn't whatever that fentanyl is this deadly demon drug the problem is that you know we have no way of knowing what's in the supply and if there were some sort of way to decriminalize and regulate legalize and regulate actually um people would at least know what they're getting absolutely and, and would be able to say you know what so i'm i'm getting this heroin that's whatever 10 percent fentanyl that's kind of a lot and probably more than i would normally take you know let me let me just do a test dose see how i feel um you know make sure i'm not sick um, anymore and then you know maybe if you want you can take more um in in small incremental doses um, or people could just say, you know what, I really don't want her heroin that has fentanyl in it, or I don't yeah. want fentanyl. I just want heroin. A lot and of people are saying people that, that too. Do want it, you yeah, know? exactly. And like, um, so you know, part of what harm reduction is also is like reducing the harms of drug laws and policies. Um, so you know, they're not detrimental to the health and well-being of people who use drugs and their communities. Um, and like we talked about, you know, a lot of these 
policies like the criminalization of people who use drugs, um, abusive and corrupt policing, where, you know, wow. the cops are constantly, yeah. like, harassing you, um, so you're pissed off, you feel shitty, you might want to do more drugs, um, or you just don't feel safe. I'm 10 years clean. Yeah. I've never been arrested with drugs on me, mm-hmm. but I went to, uh, like, a rehab facility, and it was it's on my record, yeah. and it's been on my record that someone else was in a vehicle that I was in where drugs were found. Wow. Like, Years ago, still to this day, when I get pulled over, uh-huh. every time they ask me about it, every time they ask to search the car, yeah, and I let them because I have nothing to hide, yeah. But this is ridiculous. It is, you know, and I couldn't imagine if I was of another race, right? How much more like they're doing this to little white me? They would be beating my ass probably if I was another color, or possibly, you know, I move the wrong way or gesture the wrong way, and they decide I have a gun on me or something. This happens. Every fucking day. All the time. Everywhere. Everywhere across this country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are lots of ways that, that, you know, really awful drug policies will just increase the harms that, that people experience. Um, and I think the last thing here is, you know, offering alternatives to um, approaches that seek to prevent or end drug use. So, um, not dare. And even, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, even... And, and I don't want to go on an anti-12 steps rant because that's not why I'm here and that's not necessarily what I believe. Um, Me either now. Yeah, for sure. I used to be that way, but I don't believe that anymore. I think there are lots of things that 12 steps gets right. And I also Damn think right. there are lots of things that 12 steps gets wrong and, in which they perpetuate stigma and shame and drive people out. Um, Nothing's perfect. No, yeah. of course not. But that's why there needs to be alternatives to Absolutely. you know like abstinence-based drug education because we know that abstinence-based sex education doesn't work um we know that in places where they practice abstinence only exclusively abstinence only sex education there are higher rates of teen pregnancy for example unwanted pregnancy so why would we think that you know unwanted i mean i don't know who would want you know uh transmittable diseases but like why why would we think that abstinence-based drug education would prevent things in the way that abstinence-based sex education doesn't, if that makes any sense. Um, so... It's this concept of, like, you don't get on the roller coaster, the roller coaster doesn't break, and you don't die. But most of the time, roller coaster doesn't break. Right. I mean, like, sometimes it does. There are accidents. Things happen. But, like, it's this concept that you're doing something slightly dangerous, and there are dangers behind it. So if you do it, it's on you. And, like, I don't get that. Like, nobody blames anybody for the roller coaster breaking. Even the people that operate it, they're like, things happen. Yeah, shit happens. You know? Shit happens. And and the way that the person in the front of the roller coaster might need to get off of the roller coaster is not necessarily the same way that the person at the end of the roller coaster Absolutely. needs to get off the roller coaster. Um, I also think that, you, I don't think that drug use inherently needs to be dangerous. I mean... No, it doesn't. You know, think about caffeine, for example. Like... If you are getting one shot of espresso, you know what you're getting and, you know, hopefully, and and you know what your tolerance is like. So you say, you know what, my tolerance is kind of low. I don't drink caffeine every day, but I'm really tired today. So I'm going to get a shot of espresso. Um, As opposed to, you know what, I'm tired. Um, I don't usually drink caffeine, but I need coffee. You know, the bartenders, or excuse me, the, the barista is going to give me whatever I, whatever they want. So I'm just really hoping they don't give me like four shots of espresso and I'm wired for the rest of the day yeah. and can't sleep. Um, so, um, I mean, point being that like people need all sorts of different things. And there are also people who use drugs who actually 
it's it's not a problem for them. They don't need treatment. They don't need 12 steps. Absolutely. Um, and there are also people who have had problems with drugs who don't need to be abstinent, like, like completely quote unquote clean or sober. Have you ever heard the term, it's an A, it's an NA or AA term, dry drunk? Mm-mm. I'm a, what they would refer to as a dry drunk. I'm okay. a person that had a drug problem. Yeah. And I stopped using that particular drug or drugs like that because I have a problem with those drugs being opiates. Yeah. But the fact that I have a drink every once in a while or I smoke marijuana mm-hmm. makes me a dry drunk. Right. And yeah. some people would really shun you in, in, in oh, the I've rooms. Been, I've been, I went through the NA program for a year. Yeah. And through that program, I smoked marijuana saying that it helped me yeah and I felt that it, it balanced me it helped I have a lot of stomach issues mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not really a stressful person but it definitely helped during those times when I wanted to use yeah and it gave me a little relief in the fact that I felt calmed and I didn't feel like I couldn't ever have fun yeah. or do things like that and people did very much judge me part of the reason I stopped going yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you feel shame, you feel ashamed. You feel like you need to stop, but you also are like, "This helps me." Like, and and you're telling people like, "This helps me," and they're saying, "No, I know what's best for you. I I know what's best for you better than you know what's best for you." Which sometimes can be the case, but gener- generally, and I think it's hard. Like a harm reduction is like I err on the side of like, you know what's best for you. If you feel like you need to use heroin every day in order to feel okay, which some people do, mm-hmm. I I can't tell you not to, and I can't exactly. tell you that's not like what's going to help you because if that's the only thing that makes you feel normal, which I know a lot of people who say that yeah. they're like heroin or whatever opioids, opiates, whatever you want to call them, have been the only thing that makes me feel normal. Okay, well I want you to feel normal, but I also want you to feel to to be safe and feel respected and not die. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's weird because I, I have the same attitude towards somebody who's like, I need a shot of tequila every day. Yeah. And you know, like, I think it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you should need that. I would like you to live. I, I, me personally, I would hope that you would live a happier life without it. But obviously you feel that this is something that makes your life livable and happy. Yeah. And I'm not here to stand in the way of that. Right. You know? And I'm also not here to judge it because we're all different. Like yeah. we all you, need different you things. Cross, that's your cross the bear. Not mine. Uh, I ho- I hope you all the best in the world. You know, like yeah. what are you gonna say? And also, harm reduction isn't about like what I think about other people's drug use. Like, it is, it's just yeah. not. It's just not. It, it what I think about other people's drug use or what other people think about my drug use is irrelevant. It really is. Um, I would never jump out of a plane. I'd never fucking do it. I think it's crazy. Yeah, but and you, it's dangerous. Pe- but it's super dangerous. Pe- Eleven people die a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like. But I would. But I know people that do skydiving. I know people that are like, that's what I want to do. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, go do that shit. Have fun. And they get trained, and yeah. they do it. You know, with supervision. Exactly. And in most cases, they make it on the ground, and they're fine. And they're like, that most was cases. awesome. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, sometimes shit does happen. Unfortunate, um, because that's life. Right, you know? exactly. Like, you cannot save everyone. You cannot prevent everyone from getting diseases. Um, you can't, you know, prevent everyone from getting kicked out of their house or, or losing their job. just making poor decisions. Right, you know? right. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a really long-winded what the fuck is harm reduction. I think it was super helpful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I really, really enjoy your attitude about all of this. This is a thing I felt for a long time. Yeah. And I felt like nobody in recovery world wants to feel this way. They want to just blanket statement, you are clean or you're not. Yeah. And if you're not clean, 
you're if you're not in my attitude of clean you are still a drug addict and you're going to continue to have these problems. Right. And not not only are you going to continue to have these problems, this is another problem I have with 12 steps is not only are you going to continue to have these problems and I'm going to butcher the saying, but it's like you are going to continue to spiral with your usage and you're going to end up in jail, an institution, or you're going to die. Yeah. That's also not true. Like there, there have been lots of studies, especially recently published that, um, highly suggest that people just sometimes frequently actually grow out of their drug use and i um will be willing to attest to this um after you know my friends passed away in 2016 um i was at school so one of my, my one friend was um was here in new jersey and i went to school up in massachusetts um so it was all fucked up he he passed away um five days before his birthday um i came home for the weekend his funeral was on his birthday <sighs> um and then I went right back up to, to college where no one knew him and I was alone and I had to, I mean, I wasn't alone. Like I had a support system. You were alone with the problem. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Where no one understood or felt the pain that you were feeling. Yeah. Or like there were people who understood, but just didn't. At least the level of it. Right. Or they just didn't know him. So it wasn't like, you know, we could talk about. It's so hard to understand. Exactly. Exactly. And like my roommates were really amazing. My parents, my family were really amazing. Um, but I was just so beside myself with grief and I was smoking a lot of weed every day. Um, I was going to work high. I was, um, going to class high. I was skipping class. Um, I was obviously not doing my, my research paper. Um, not because I was using weed, but because I was just like incredibly depressed and, and, you know, stricken with grief. Um, and that was something that persisted. Um, you know, my, my smoking weed pretty much every day, um, until about a couple weeks ago when after a couple months of being like, this isn't fun for me anymore. Um, I'm not really enjoying it. I'm just doing it because it makes me feel like how I'm used to feeling and I don't really know what else to do with myself. Um, after a little while of feeling that way, I was like, I think I'm just going to stop. And I did. And I haven't smoked in like several weeks and I feel fine. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I'm a perfect, that's a perfect example of like, you know, sometimes people just, you need it for a certain reason, whether it be because, you know, you feel like shit, um, or, you know, uh, you're in pain, physical pain, um, and then, and then you don't, and then yeah. you don't need it anymore, and that's that. Um, so, something that you said that I wanted to hit on oh fuck i'm just noticing we're we're getting we've we've been talking for a little bit there's so many things i want to talk about let me please continue (laughs) let me um i want to i want to just talk a little bit about um the like why harm reduction why new jersey um and why now so i mentioned earlier that like i didn't think we would still be in this position you know in 2019 people still dying very at at really high rates and you know just it's it's just dismal um and um and and new jersey's particularly like really shitty about it um there have been initiatives again there there have definitely been individuals and like smaller groups um on the ground level for again decades um who've been holding the like the shit down which is amazing um and they've really just like paved the way um, for kind of a more like public facing, 
above ground, more like not more radical, but but you know very explicitly radical movement. Um, and then there's also kind of the prevailing narrative of, um, I guess I. I would call this maybe like mainstream harm reduction. So we were talking before, before we started recording, I was telling you that I came here really pissed off because I listened to the 101.5 series on, um, they call it, I think heroin uncut. And it was, yeah, it was, I mean, you really don't. (laughs) I I have to personally check it out to see how horrible it is. Cause I know I'm just going to get as mad as you are. Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. I mean, Again, it's like they try. They really do try. And I appreciate Do you think it comes that. from good intentions? I do. Okay. But I think they go wrong in many ways. Um, so I had I, I wrote down a couple quotes um, that they said. So so they're coming at this in in the from a perspective of like drug users deserve compassion. Um, and they actually talk about harm reduction in the second episode. Um But, you know, we already talked about how harm reduction isn't just about, you know, getting people clean and then into recovery and then that's it. You know, like, there are people who don't want to get sober and we need to respect that. Definitely. Um, Like, and and that's what harm reduction is about. Um, But New Jersey 101.5 and Jay Lassiter um, said that harm reduction, quote, is the very simple concept of reducing the damage addicts do to themselves while they're out there using drugs. Which, again, we talked about that's not the case. Um, he said other things in, in, in later episodes, such as drug use is harmful. Well, we already talked about drug use doesn't isn't necessarily harmful. Definitely not. Especially if you have the resources, the equipment to, um, you know, stay safe. I mean, it can be. Yeah. Drug use, driving can also be harmful. Yeah, there's lots of things. Eating yeah. What did yeah. you say? Eating burgers. Eating Over, burgers yeah. can be harmful. Overeating or something along Eating these lines. too fast can be harmful. Yeah. Every, like, honestly, every, drinking too much water can be harmful. Yeah. Anything can be harmful, but what we do with most things is say, you know, yeah, if you drive drunk or if you're texting while driving or if you're driving without a seatbelt and something happens, like, it's probably not going to go so well, but that's why you take these certain precautions so that bad things don't happen. Um, but driving or drinking caffeine or drinking water, those things are not inherently dangerous or harmful. And it's not like if you do those things, you are going to go to jail, a hospital or institution or die. That's just, that's just not the case. Is it possible? Absolutely. But in most cases, that's, (laughs) that's not what happens. Um, so he also said things, and, and this, this is going right, um, right off of what, what he said about harm, what harm reduction is, um, which it's not. Um, but he said, we want to get people off drugs and into rehab. Um, no. No. I mean, yes, if they want to. Yeah, if they want to go to rehab. But if they don't and you just force them into rehab, um, first of well, really, let's be, let's be real. If you force someone into rehab... It's probably, they're probably not really going to, you know, engage in a way that's going to be um, an entry point to sustainable recovery, um, long-term recovery. And not only that, but that's dangerous because you put someone in rehab, let's say it's a 28-day detox. 28-day detox, you know, you go through horrible, painful withdrawal, and then they dump you out on the street after 28 days 
with, you know, maybe some sort of follow-up support that you have to take it upon yourself to go to. Um, and then you have no tolerance. And, you know, you don't want to get sober in the first place. So you go back, you use, and then you die. That's, I was, I'm glad you brought that up because that, I think it's something like 75% of ODs are people coming out of recovery mm-hmm. and then using again where they thought they could use the same amount exactly. or they or they didn't realize that the potency of the drug had gone up over the years yep. and it's like with the fentanyl thing mm-hmm. where they, they don't know what they're getting yeah. also too and these people use at what they thought they could handle yeah. and they're dead. Yeah. You know? And uh, honestly, like, I hold people like, and, and this is going to be controversial, um, and I may or may not send this directly to 101.5, and Jay Lasseter may oh, we'll or may t- not we'll actually them. listen, We've listen to them this. We've before. Awesome. So if you're reading, or if you're listening to this, I hold you responsible for, you know, the deaths of people who have been forced into, re- not, not them only, but I hold people who, you know, think that... That push that agenda. That coerce... Right, that coerce people into rehab or abstinence-based treatment when they're not ready or when they don't want it. I hold you responsible for those deaths. I'm sorry, but, like, actually, no, I'm not. Like, that that, that could that could have been avoided. That could have been avoided. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's absurd that you could take such a blanket statement about something you have no experience with. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, you just have this attitude of... Uh, you know, like, oh, they all need this one thing. When has one thing ever worked for anyone? Never. You know, like, it takes multiple angles you got to attack this at. And like you said, not everybody wants to be sober. Not everybody needs to be completely your idea of sober. Right. You know? Right. Like two plus two equals four, but three plus one also equals four. Like, exactly. Not, <laughs> but I wanted to say something like that. Like, uh, I had a girlfriend who went to uh, rehab. And someone who was forced to go to the rehab, she went voluntarily, and yeah. someone who was forced to go to the rehab was there as well. And, like, there was, like, someone, like, snuck in drugs, and, like, this whole yep. incident happened. Mm-hmm. And my, the girl I was dating at the time was a recovering heroin addict. Oh, no. And the fucking, the other girl that she was, had become friends with who was forced into it yeah. was like, let's get out of here. And they went, and they left, and it had been a long company. time since she'd used heroin, and she was with that girl, and I got a call at 8 a.m., in the morning when I was supposed to go to work, I got a call at 8 a.m. from my ex-girlfriend in the hospital. Like, I used heroin last night and died. And, like, yeah. Narcan twice and brought her back to life because that girl was forced in there. Like, because that other girl was forced in there. Yeah. And she was there, and, like, then she helped... That other girl helped these two kids, like, bring drugs into the rehab. Right. So, yep. like, when you're forcing people into a situation they won't be in, just like with Prohibition, like, it just doesn't work. Like, you can't force it's literally how I got something. high in rehab the same way. My, exactly. My roommate in rehab that they randomly put me with... Yeah. I, uh, I got thrown in there, and I wanted to go, but this person obviously didn't, mm-hmm. and now he has drugs, and he doesn't want to do them alone. Yeah. So now we're both on drugs and rehab. Right. Where, where, you know, where I could have been put with a bunch of people who wanted to be there, where they, that would have never happened. When I was trying, when I, like, like I'm considering myself recovering. Sick. When I was awesome. going through, like, when I was, like, in the initial stages of deciding to what to do, like, my mom was trying to push rehab on me. And I was like, that was after the whole situation with my ex-girlfriend. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I, ha- I also know multiple people who like went to rehab and they came out and they were like, yeah, dude, I have so many more connects now. I yep. know so many yeah. more ways to hide drugs. Uh-huh. And like they learn all these things. It's like, 
because not everyone in there is trying to get clean. Right. And like, yeah, like it's not. It happens accidentally. I remember sitting in a NA meeting, and I'm sitting in rehab, like in the NA meeting, and the dude's like, "I knew I hit rock bottom when I started cooking my piss and shooting it." Yeah. And I was like, and a, and a few people clap, and a few of us go, "What? What? What did you say?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, dude, you didn't know if you're a really bad heroin addict." you can cook up your piss after you've used and reshoot it and re-get wow. high. Holy and I'm in the mayor rubbing my ch- uh, chin like, really? <laughs> you know, like, thinking this guy just gave me, like, uh, he just ticket. gave me free dope, you yeah. know, basically. Oh but I didn't God. know that. It was just a thing that someone mentioned in their struggle, and I and it gave me ideas. I have thousands of those stories. Totally, yeah. But uh, what else we... I, I'm, I'm sure you have other points you want to get to. Yeah, I mean, I guess what I would just take away from, from what you both just said is like, yeah, if, if you're not if you're not ready to recover and you're forced to recover or, or you're forced into treatment, like, there are kind of... Like, if we're talking about a cost-benefit analysis here, just to make it, like, just to reduce it to that, like, there are probably a lot worse things that could happen to you when you're forced into rehab, like, you know, um, like, getting all these very creative ideas yeah. as, as to how to use outside, how to use inside, how to hide your drugs. Um, where to find them. Where to find them. Aside from the fact that, you know, you are much more likely to overdose when you get out. Yeah. If and when you, you relapse. Um, yeah, they're just, it, it's it's a lot more dangerous to coerce people and force people into something that they're not ready for than it would be to, you know, just give them naloxone or give them a like syringes open up a syringe exchange um just simply ask them what they need um this is also huge so so this is another thing that i just wanted to talk about um in that like i don't necessarily buy into the disease model of addiction i can talk briefly about that i I don't want to go on too much longer um but you know if if someone's suffering from anything whether it be an illness, um, just, you know, poor life circumstances, and you want to help them, you say, what do you need? How can I help you? You don't say, well, you know, this thing happened to me, or, like, it happened to my best friend, or it happened to, like, my cousin's ex-girlfriend's, like, sister, and that, this is what happened, like, this is what benefited them, so that's what's going to benefit you. Yeah. Um, You say, how can I help you? What do you need? And then you take it from there. Um, people who use drugs are no different. Like, they know what they need. They will tell you what they need if you, like, are able to build a relationship. If you already have an established relationship, of course. Um, and that will probably help them more than anything else. I mean, they're, they're literally telling you what they need, what will help them. I think speaking from, like, an addict's perspective, like, it's so much more comfortable when it's like that, when it's done like that, instead of, like... You're like you walk in on like an intervention, or like you're coerced into anything. I mean, because then you feel like it's instantly like everyone against you. Yeah. And like you're being like violated. Whereas like when you're being like asked and like talked to like a person, you feel like you know a person. Yeah. And like they care about you, and they're not just like trying to like like blanket the problem. Like they're trying to like actually like, figure it out with you. And they're not just trying to like. Um... I mean, I think forcing people to do things that they're not ready to is really just a way to make yourself feel better and make yourself feel like you did something and like, okay, the problem's solved. It's not about you, bro. It's not. And it's very, like, I've had plenty of people in my life who have been 
um, heroin users or drug users, problematic, chaotic drug users, and, um, I'm sorry, I completely just lost my train of thought, but, um, take your time. I mean, I think this is super important. Yeah, there are, there are a couple other things I, I want to hit on um, before we wrap up. Please. But basically, um, I, oh man, I've just been talking for so long. My, my brain is fried. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's it's so good. There's just so much to uh, to unpack here. Um, yeah, it's hard to wrap all of this argument into oh an God, hour yeah. or less or a little more, you know? Yeah, okay, I remember what I was going to say. You were talking about feeling human and feeling seen and feeling heard. And something that you said, um, Matt, was that you know, a lot of people's substance use comes from trauma or, you know, there's, there's a reason, there's a reason why people use drugs. No one's like, let me just try this heroin for fun or let me, I mean, actually, no, that's not true. Sometimes people just do. Um, but if you're, if you're habitually using and you're dependent on something, like there's a reason for that. And it's not just because, well, you're an addict. Um, and we need to respect that. We need to understand that. Um, and, um, that doesn't make you any less human. Uh, I think a lot of things that people deal with, people who use drugs, is just being dehumanized. You're a junkie. You're an addict. Again, yep. going back to like terminology and like, because of this thing, I'm going to write you off and I'm not going to provide you with just the basic respect, human respect that you deserve. Um, you know, aside from from things that we've already talked about. Um, uh, yeah, they treat you very much like. Uh, like you walked up to a sign where it said beware of dog and you saw this evil dog and then you tried to pet it right and then the dog bit you and they were like well you're a fucking idiot why did you walk up to that fence and put your hand over there but that's not heroin isn't this big evil fence that says don't come in here and i walked in anyway right you know it's it's not like that it's not it's not at all and people think it is this is another thing that i think new jersey 101.5 and jay lasseter get wrong is that um so they do this thing where they talk about harm reduction in a way that really isn't an accurate per, per um, uh, re- representation of harm reduction. They talk about, um, you know, wanting to help people get in recovery. They, you know, they do this thing where they're like, we want to help people. We want people to whatever. I don't know. Um, first of all, not once do they ever talk about stigma, at least not in the, in the episodes that I, that I listen to, um, which is very interesting. And while they're talking about harm reduction, which is supposed to be based on, you know, non-judgment, not stigmatizing, they're also saying things like, quote, drug addicts almost never deserve our empathy. They have not earned our kindness, but they'll need both our empathy and our kindness to get sobered up sufficiently to start accepting responsibility for their atrocious behavior. What? yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Wow. That is a direct We're in a quote. Fight now. <laughs> that is a direct. That is a direct quote from Jay Lasseter, who calls himself Jay Lasseter. Jay Lasseter, who calls himself. Huh? I think of course I you did. are. Fuck. Fuck Jay Lasseter. You know, I from feel me, not from from Mac Majors personally. I feel the same way in in a lot of sense in in a lot of ways. Um, I also think that we have allies in this fight that might not completely agree with us or see eye to eye. And I don't want to alienate anyone, but I do want, if Jay Lasseter and and New Jersey 101.5 are listening to this with an open mind, I do want to say that um, drug addicts do deserve our empathy. People who use drugs deserve our empathy because I think everyone deserves empathy. Absolutely. They do deserve our kindness. 
Um, they will need empathy and kindness if they want to get sobered up. And so they pair this direct quote, and this is from Jay Laster, who, again, calls himself um, perhaps the most notorious ex-drug user in New Jersey. Um, and like a poser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he does sound like a poser. He really does. I mean, he, he has lived Self experience, and I respect that. Um, but he pairs this quote, like, he sandwiches it between, like, talks about how, you know, this isn't a moral problem. It's not a moral failing on, on the parts of, of, you know, people who use drugs, which I agree with. But Absolutely. saying things like, um, they need to start accepting responsibility for their atrocious behavior is not only extremely stigmatizing and will make anyone who use drugs feel like shit. I feel like shit for just him saying that. I don't feel like I hurt anybody. Listening, yeah. honestly, like, listening to him and 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 those people speak made me want to use drugs because as someone who has used drugs i felt like shit and it's not because i felt ashamed from what they were saying it's because it pissed me off because i knew it was wrong um so you know there's a lot of cognitive dissonance here and i think this is really representative of like the larger um not, like, the larger true harm reduction landscape in New Jersey, but, like, kind of the larger um, mainstream harm reduction landscape where, like, people understand it on a very, very basic level of, like, we want people not to die. Um, but they don't understand it on the basic level of, like, again, people know what's best for them. We should respect everyone. Um, let it's me, their fucking body. Right, <laughs> right. And, ex and, and, you know, just... And their life. Repeatedly, he parrots, like, he and, and the people on that show just parrot, like, you know, this was a disease brought on by my bad judgment. You know, I made, you know, I made bad choices. I needed to take responsibility. I, need to, I needed to own up to my mistakes. And that's not to say that, you know, people who use drugs haven't made mistakes or bad decisions. But again, a lot of that goes back to you're kind of forced to do that when you're on the streets, when, you're, when you have no money, when, you know, everyone thinks you're a piece of shit you're going to start to believe you're a piece of shit, and then you're going to start to do really shitty things. Um, so, you know, th this whole idea, that, I mean, uh, the, whole, the whole podcast is honestly a mess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a mess. It's really a disservice to um, people who use drugs everywhere. Um, and it, it's, it's just a shame. It, made, it makes me really sad that people are saying these things, pushing the, the ideology of harm reduction and just misrepresent, just, just grossly misrepresenting it. Um, and then giving people like, you know, me and Corey and Emma a bad name. Um, that's insane that somebody would have, especially somebody with the experience of understanding what it's like to have people stigmatize you. Yeah. Because I don't care what your color, you are going to get a stigma, you're going to get stigmatized if you're a drug addict. Totally. The level will be worse, obviously, if you are of color, but you're going to deal with the stigma and you know what that feeling's like. For if somebody to be so not, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like just not empathetic to a person of struggle he's gone through yeah that is only getting like you said nothing has changed yeah. like the struggle is still just as bad people's attitudes about drugs and drug use is just as ignorant it is yeah. it I is and like it he, like misset it like like because i personally like i know i've done horrible things when i was in a bad place and like i want now and now i want to be like responsible for those things sure yeah but those but are like, separate from your drug use yeah 
Exactly. Yeah, like, Again, that poor decision-making and your drug use are not always hand-in-hand. Hand, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not like... Uh, Sometimes your poor decision making is made because of your drug use and your lack of options. Exactly. And that's what the th people don't understand. You're living on the street. You have nothing else. I have $10. Mm -hmm. You know? I can get high because $10 ain't going to get me a place to sleep tonight. Yeah. Right. You know? So what? what's the point of trying to, whatever, be a I'm already being labeled person. by everyone as what, what they're saying. Why, like, sometimes you get to a point where it's like, I might as well live up to what they call me. Exactly. You know? It's and a like, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, and like, you're doing this to them. You know, like, you're helping it get that worse where you could have the total opposite. And yeah, people are going to make poor decisions still. You know, we're not going to help sure. everybody. People, sometimes people are just misguided or misinformed or just sick. Mm -hmm. and don't quite get it and it's harder but there are there's so many people we can save in the I know plenty of people that are dead now yeah that I know w without that stigma could have done better or at least live longer you know or like you know not have used alone yeah that's that's the like that's what gets me that's really what gets me um is you know people just feel so ashamed and they are you know cast out by their families and their friends and Absolutely. then they use alone and they die alone. And I think that's just the saddest thing because, again, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, just to plug this really quick, this is not, this is not a, a, um, a direct, like, self-plug, but um, just speaking to that, there is um, a bill in the legislature, both the, the House and the Senate, um, to authorize uh, an overdose prevention site in New Jersey. This would be um, a place where people could come to use pre-purchased drugs. Um, and I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. So just for listeners who don't know what that is, um, you know, it's, it's kind of just like a safe place where you're not going to get arrested. You're not going to get, you know, a pat down or a cavity search or any of that. It's a non-judgmental, non-stigmatizing environment where you can use your drugs. And there's someone who's either, you know, a medical professional or trained um, to recognize signs of overdose um, and also, you know, give you clean supplies. Um, and if you overdose, they will revive you. There are this this it again very controversial but these they have similar programs in Holland and yes it, yeah these these kinds of they worked um, out quite well from what I understand that is an understatement so there are a bunch in Canada there are a bunch in Europe yes you're right there are in Canada my a few of my Canadian friends and Canadian listeners have pointed that out yeah yeah um, so you know these have been around a lot of these have been around for for a very long time you know several years up to a decades decade. yeah yeah. yeah. There have been hundreds of thousands of overdoses in those rooms and not a single death. That's a win-win for everybody. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Can you imagine if we had an overdose prevention site in New Jersey and, you know, people who feel so ashamed and feel so stigmatized that, you know, they don't want to use at home, they're afraid of, you know, maybe their family finding them dead, they can go somewhere where if they do overdose, they're going to come back. Contrary to popular belief, people don't want to die. Yeah. People want to live and continue to use drugs, um, and that's fine. We should. They think they want to die. Some, I think, again, like I think people think they want to die because of all the adverse consequences, like like the the yeah. consequences of being a drug a, a person who uses drugs. Like yeah, that comes seems like from a the stigma. Pro yeah, that's Sexual a deeper problem. problem. You right. know, if you have the if you have suicidal thoughts and you're using drugs or have a drug addiction, I think that that is a deeper problem. I don't think that. 
drug addiction just makes you suicidal. No, absolutely you know? not. And if you're using drugs and suicidal, you're probably using drugs to, like, self-medicate. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Which, like... Or make you not feel suicidal. Right. You know, like, exactly. in some situations, it's the simple as, I don't want to feel suicidal anymore. These drugs make me feel not suicidal. Totally. Also, I wrote an article in high school one time on the legalization of marijuana mm-hmm. and, like, all the benefits we could have. And I, like, quoted Harvard, um, <clears throat> some guy from Harvard who did, like, an ec- who was an economics major in a study on how much money we spend on the war on drugs, mm-hmm. on, like, the police force, on, like, ever, like, all of it. It's somewhere between, like, estimated, and this was, like, 2013, it's probably more now. Yeah. Like, $7 billion. Yeah. And that's just, like, on, like, enforcing it. And, like, if they, like, legalized marijuana, he estimated they would make, like, $14 billion on taxes. Imagine. So, like, oh, if go they ahead, had go all ahead. that money to do, if they stopped the war on drugs, they had all that money to do the things that you're talking about. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. And, you know, it's just, it's mind-blowing to think about. I think one last thing I wanted to hit on was the disease model of addiction. Um, and then I might want to just go back to your questions and make Please. sure I hit everything. Um... I'm conflicted on this. Uh, I'm also conflicted. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Um, so this was another thing that New Jersey 101.5 talked about. Um, I think what they said was, uh, and I believe, again, this was Jay Lasseter. I'm, if you're listening to this, Jay, I'm, I'm really sorry, and this is not supposed to be a, a, a direct attack on you, but but uh, he did say something um along the lines of I've wa- I've I've looked at the brain scans of addicts because that's the term he uses and I am convinced they have a disease. Well, it's a good thing he's a doctor. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Um good for him on on his on his medical medical degree. I'm sure he worked really hard on that. Um <laughs> first of all, there are all sorts of reasons why brain scans could could, you know, indicate one thing or another that don't necessarily have to do directly with with substance use. Um, or, or aren't necessarily, you know, the correlation doesn't equal causation. That's, that's AP psych 101. (laughs) Yeah, really. Um, and I'm just, um, I was listening to a a really good podcast earlier, um, called Drug Positive. Um, the, the title of the podcast is Kill the Drug Warrior Inside You, and it's amazing, um, and, and the, the guy whose name escapes me, who talks on that, um, he's a harm reduction psychotherapist. He's been doing this for like 20 years, is also a person in recovery. And, um, he basically says that, um, he doesn't think it's a disease because a lot, and, and I think we've kind of been, been dancing around this is that a lot of the times drug use comes from the social and political environment around you. I'm gonna go back to, you know, my experience smoking weed every day. I started doing that because my friends died. Yeah. If my friends had not died that year, I would not have smoked weed every day for, you know, the past two or three years. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know a lot of people who, you know, use drugs to deal with similar things. Um, So, you know, it's not that, that that doesn't make you sick. Um, It, means that something fucked up happened to you and you don't have the resources or or um the support to deal with it you know head on um or you do but they're not enough um so and and also in itself the disease model is the disease theory is stigmatizing because it's still saying there's something wrong with you you are sick you need help 
I think my my thing with it is is I feel like the it was done with good intentions. For sure. Like like this uh, Narcan giveaway. Totally. Like these people were like no one's paying attention. No one has any sympathy for these people. Mm-hmm. And to get that sympathy, they've labeled us as diseased. Yeah. And and I and I like like I think it comes with good intentions, but it gives people this blanket attitude that almost gets gives them mental uh okay for the thing like you are right you do have to uh, as an adult own up for the things you do wrong yeah they're not connected to your drug use though you know if i steal because of my drug use because i'm that desperate Mm -hmm. i did do something wrong i stole from somebody yeah but i could have done a lot of other things to get the drugs i wanted to do i have to deal with the fact that i'm i was moral and uh, immoral enough where i felt breaking my own morals yeah. You know, I have to deal with that burden. And if I get arrested because of that or something like that, those are the the burdens I have to deal with. We don't have to connect this to these other things and these other mistakes that maybe I feel I personally made or you feel I personally made. Yeah. You know, I I, I don't know how else to, uh, else to put that. For you know? sure. Yeah. It's just like, again, like just because you're using drugs doesn't mean the drugs made you do that or, exactly. you know, you are sick because you're using drugs. Um Again, my, my brain's a little fried at this time. Um, I, I also am going to need to head out soon. Uh, Can my, I ask you just one... Really, I really just want to cover yes, one more question. And yes. then you can say whatever you'd like to wrap it up. And then I, we can go from there. Really, basically, I just want to ask, how can people get involved or help for, uh, at, at this point? Yeah. You know? um, so, on a very basic level, I think everyone should kill the drug warrior inside them um okay so i think people should listen to to that episode of, Please, yeah. of drug positive um i can't remember what drug it, positive it's called yeah right? the podcast is called drug positive and the episode is kill the warrior inside you it is amazing um two other podcasts that have been really helpful for me have been narcotica and crackdown um i yeah i just i i think everyone needs to really examine like why they hate people who use drugs for, for lack of a, of a better way to put it. Um, and, and, um, you know, and that, that's kind of on, on an individual level, um, in terms of how to get involved in New Jersey harm reduction, um, you can follow us and share our posts or whatever on Instagram and Twitter. Um, you could also email us njharmreduction at gmail.com. Oh, and our, our handles on both, um, Instagram and Twitter are at NJ Harm Reduction. We'll be posting all of that stuff awesome. too. This Thank will be you. posted on Friday. Uh, I don't know what the date is today. It's the twenty second. I think twenty third. So. It's the twenty third yes. today. So Friday is the eighth. It's the twenty eighth. I so, think so. Yeah. So the twenty eighth. This will be posted. Cool. 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 Um, yeah. So so you can you can follow. You can share. Like. Comment subscribe all that all that jazz i mean you can't really subscribe but you know what i'm saying um dm us like please um or email us let us know what you think let us know what you want to see um i'm also doing kind of like we're in the process of kind of just getting our administrative and logistical shit together excellent so while we do that um i am doing you know individual meetups and calls with people who are interested um just to kind of you know shoot the shit get to know each other build relationships um and and you know work through um what we can what we can accomplish here um yeah 
I think I think that's just about it. I think the only thing that I didn't cover that I want to cover that probably Please. won't go well at the end of this episode, <laughs> but I'm going to put it in anyway, is Please. a lot of what this is about is build, uh, building relationships. And also, I think a lot of us, particularly people who have been affected by drug use, either firsthand or secondhand, have a lot of trauma that we've never really had a space to like properly talk about or um you know work through and that's part of what i'm hoping to do here and and i don't want to be like a leader i don't want to like be a hero i just want to facilitate these larger conversations and connections so that like fantastic it's it's just so that like we can truly and genuinely like mobilize and move together as a community and as a society and like obviously this is a very small chasm here um but i think new jersey is really lacking in in these spaces especially now um and um yeah i just i think this is something that's been a long time coming and i'm, I'm really hopeful and and so thankful for for you to have me on here and, and I mean, be excited. I appreciate you reaching out. I really do. I, as soon as I heard about what you were doing, I was like, this is fantastic. And I love the Instagram so far. You guys pass across really great information. Awesome. I enjoyed the, the story. You guys were posting all the stuff about ice and like uh, in different languages and stuff to help people under, you know, that, uh, you know, I think that was a smart move. I wouldn't have thought of that. You know, I'm like, I, when I saw the first one, I was like, cool. And then I saw all the other different languages. I'm like, that makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, like, just like having that oversight to see that I get, you know, we, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I do it all the time. I look at things from a small box or from my perspective and mm -hmm. it's really hard to break that. Totally. And I, you're doing a great job of, uh, doing that. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, ultimately this is a, this is like a social justice, uh, whatever, uh, agenda, and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful for, for you and for everyone else who's just been supporting us so far. And I'm really hoping we can build some more stuff in the future. Yeah, definitely. At anytime you ever want to come back on or have anything you want to plug or need, need plug, please, please. I have no problem doing it. And uh, I really appreciate you reaching out to me Thank uh, you. and doing this. Uh, this was super informative. Uh, you had a lot of great points. Thank you so much. They were a wonderful guest. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, you were very wonderful guest. You were very prepared. Thank you. Thank you for being prepared. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I guess there's... Uh, do you have anything you'd like to plug or anything else you'd like to say before we finish off? Um, probably not anything that, that isn't already going to be on, on you know, our, our social media pages. But I think the only other thing would be if you are a drug user, a person who, use drugs, who uses drugs, um, or you know anyone and you need naloxone... Um, or, you know, potentially other supplies. We can't give syringes out at this time because it's not legal, which, okay. which in itself is something that I'd like to, like, address on a policy level, but that's that's far in the future. So if you need naloxone, we're, provi we're prioritizing people who use drugs and people who are very close, live with friends or family members of people who use drugs. Um, please reach out, and uh, I'd be happy to, to get it to you, um, in addition to maybe some fentanyl strips and... Uh, other like clean usage supplies all right all right thank you very much for doing this this was a lot of uh it was very informative and i like i said you were a wonderful guest thank you. uh mac for help helping me out here asking and giving his point of view uh, uh we are posting this on the 28th 
uh, same day as, uh, what is it, the H2O show that'll be next week for Shore Style. I'll probably see you guys all there. Hell yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, what is it, Sunstroke is playing. I think that's how you say it. I probably said it wrong. <laughs> and, uh, and the suspects uh, that are also band we've had on before. Uh, yeah, see you guys all at that show. And then hopefully... Next time uh, I'm on, we'll be doing the Casino Skate Park or another great band. I don't know what's next. All right, see you guys later. That's not loud at all. Okay, I fucked it up. All right, see you guys later. Peace.